Well, good evening. It's good to be together. It's good to see God's family once again. Always a, a sight for sore eyes. We're, we're blessed to have the Brosey family with us, Steve and Liz and their wonderful family. Not all of the Brosey family. We might need an addition. But we were so blessed. So we thank you for encouraging us. We hope to be an encouragement as well. Current events, I think, are a, a subject, a good subject for sermons. Well, one reason is because of the current. It's because people are, are thinking about it. They're talking about it. Recent events have called into question some basic ideas, some fundamental ideas of society. And what I want to do, you've, you've heard of uh, rose-colored glasses, where you, know, you see everything, it's rosy, and everything's bright and cheery no, no matter what. Well, I'd like to use our, our good sense glasses. I'm not going to call it common sense, because you know the joke, common sense is not so common today. But the Bible uses the term good sense. So we're going to take our good sense, our good sense glasses, and we're going to look at some current event, a current event, in the government situation. We're going to look at the creation. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. And that's in near the middle of the uh, Old Testament. It's Ecclesiastes, Songs of Solomon, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. If you're in Jeremiah, flip back to Isaiah, chapter 45. We're going to read a few verses from uh, Isaiah in this evening, so you might want to mark that. We're going to start looking at the creation by looking at Isaiah chapter 45, verses 18 and 19. And here Isaiah writes, For this is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. See, here we see that God has made the heavens and the earth. He fashioned the earth. Now let's flip over a few chapters to the left to chapter 40. And we're going to read another verse that talks about the creation. In Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 21. And here again Isaiah writes, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. So here we see that God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Now you might want to mark Isaiah, we'll be back, but let's turn over a few books to the left to the book of Job. And we're going to read a very interesting verse in the book of Job. Proverbs, Psalms, Job, if you're going that away, which you are. 
Job chapter 26. And in Job chapter 26, we're going to start in verse 6, verses 6 and 7. We read, death is naked before God. That is, God sees even the dead, even dead people. Destruction lies uncovered. He spreads out the northern skies over, over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He suspends the earth over nothing. Think about that. And lastly, let's look at for our creation verse. Let's turn to the New Testament. And this time we're going to turn to one of the Gospels, to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 17, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And in Luke 17, in verse 22. Now the situation here is that Jesus is talking about his return. And he says in Luke 22, then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Now when he says Son of Man, he's referring to himself. He's emphasizing his humanity, and it is indeed his favorite term for himself. He says, you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. You ever seen a lightning storm and how beautiful it is? I mean, we had Fourth of July and fireworks. It doesn't compare to a lightning storm. You ever had a lightning bolt that, that, that scared you? It was like, wow, that was, that was seriously close. It's awesome. So shall the Son of Man be. In verse 26, it says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, then the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 30, it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed, that is when Jesus returns. On that day, no one who was on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. In verse 34, I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken and the other left. Interesting aspect about these scriptures here in Luke 17. For many years, critics of the Bible used this to show that the Bible was full of contradictions, and this was one of them. And the question they would ask is, how can an event happen in the day and in the night at the same time? Well, we know how today. How can an event happen in the day and the night at the same time when it happens over all the earth? In the days of Noah, the flood drowned the earth, all of the earth. So it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. It will affect all of the earth. Now we know this because we have space age photography in our space age and we see pictures of the earth. 
And we see that at any given moment, the earth is in day and in night, at any given moment. So think about these four sets of verses that we've looked at and putting them together. We see that God made the heavens and earth. He made the earth a circle. He hangs it over nothing. He suspends it on nothing. And it is, the earth is in day and night at any given moment. Now, think about this. This is the words of Jesus 2,000 years ago. How did he know that? How did Isaiah and Job know what they did to make those statements? In this day and age, society views the Bible as a collection of fairy tales, like Aesop's fables that you read in high school, sprinkled in with some outdated morals. It's that, that's that way in society. It's that way when you watch the news. It is especially that way on college campuses with professors and students learning that. That is the popular view of the Bible. We, however, recognize there is no way possible that any mortal man could have known these facts 2,000 and even more years ago. It had to come from God. The Bible could not have written, been written without God. And it is far more than a fanciful collection of fairy tales and outdated morals. It is God's word. It is God's truth. And proof is right here. You've read it. Now, let's just suppose there's a group, there's a segment of society that's come to the conclusion that the earth is square. And they claim the reason why we say the earth is round is because we are squareophobic. We hate squares. We hate squares because we are fearful of them, and we are fearful of them because we are ignorant of them. And I might respond, I got nothing against squares. I, I don't hate squares. I don't fear squares. I'm not ignorant. I understand them. I understand a square is a four-sided shape. It's all the sides are identical. The angles are 90 degrees, so and forth, so on and so forth. I even understand rectangles. Those are not four identical sides, but the angles all add up to 360 degrees like a square. But we say that the earth is a circle because the Bible says it. So we hold to that and claim it. We trust, we believe, and we claim it. Let's look back at Isaiah. And this time we're going to look at Isaiah 43. Hopefully you kept your place. There's a really important point here. In Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to start reading from verse 9. And in verse 9, the words of God, God speaking, all the nations gather together 
and the peoples assembled. Which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right, so that others may hear and say, it is true. You were my witnesses, declares the Lord, talking to his people. And my servant, whom I have chosen, which is a reference to Jesus the King, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I and not some foreign God among you, for the Israelites were guilty of idol worship. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. Here's the point I want to emphasize. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? When God acts, who can reverse it? If all the nations gather together, if all the peoples of the earth come together, and insist and claim the earth is square. Does it make it so? No. Because God has made the earth, he made it circle, and he said it. And when God acts, no one can reverse it. Recently, the US Supreme Court legalized homosexual marriage. Let's look at a verse in the Gospels in Mark chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 10. And we're going to see what God has said and done concerning this. And in Mark chapter 10, we're going to read the last portion of verse 5. Jesus replied, But at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female, a, a quote from Genesis. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. The Supreme Court, five judges, nine judges, whatever judges, can no more change what marriage is than they can change the shape of the earth from a circle to a square. Amen. If all the politicians in all the world, all the leaders, if all the lawyers and the judges agree, and all the opinion polls say so, it doesn't make it so. Because when God acts, who can reverse it? We trust God, and we will cling to him and what he says. And anything else just lacks good sense. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of all good choices. Let us be a people that have good sense. And now I want to tell you one more story about a good sense, except this time we're going to look at a common religious situation.
And it's a story, it's a personal story. It's about myself. And it's about a workplace accident, actually, where I had cut my leg with a chainsaw at work. Um, years ago, I was a, a, what you would call a foreman with Anne Arundel County Roads, and I was a first responder. I would go out uh, and answer calls in the middle of the night for various road problems, whether it was a, a flooded road or a sinkhole or, or most commonly trees that fall and they, they block the road. And one hot summer night, it was one of those nights where you just, you go out and you do this by the time you walk to your car because it's just hot and sweaty and yucky and you just want to be in. And I answered a call to, to cut the tree. It was a tree on a blind spot. And it was on a hill overhanging the road. And I had to uh, brace myself uh, against the hill and have my leg down on the hill as I was cutting this limb, this large limb that was blocking the road. And as I was cutting, chainsaws always throw out lots of sawdust and chips. And the way I had to cut this tree, I was giving myself a wood chip and, and sawdust shower. <laughs> it, was, it was necessary to do that. And then as I was about to finish cutting the tree, the hill gave way under my foot and it came down and it filleted my leg. And I was hoping it was a branch and then I looked at my leg and said, ah, oh, it's a chainsaw. It got me. So I had to go to the ER. And he, he took care of me, thank God. And he said, you, can, you need to come back in the morning. We're going to take a look at you. I said, OK, I'm going to go home and take a shower. He said, no, you're not going to take a shower. You're not going to, you can't get that wet. I said, OK, I'll be back tomorrow morning. So I came back, and he said, OK, here's the deal. You're going to need to keep this dry for 48 hours. And I said, uh, OK, well, I'm going to put a trash bag on my leg, and I'm going to take a shower. And he said, no, no, you're not. That's condensation there. You can't get it wet. You're going to keep it dry. So for the next 40, 48 miserable hours, because I still had all this sawdust and, and chips on me, and you can only get so clean dry cleaning, <laughs> I dealt with this. It's hard to sleep at night. So I went back 48 hours later to see him. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm not satisfied with your progress. You're going to go another 48 hours before you come back. I was like, ah, OK, <laughs> God be with me. So after two more sleepless nights, I came back, and he said the words I wanted to hear, you may shower now and get clean. <laughs> and this and this is what you have to do to your leg, to your wound. You know, there are certain events in life where you think you can hear the angels singing, the heavenly chorus. And when the shower hit my face, when the water hit my face in the shower, I, I, I was the one having a oh moment. <laughs> okay. I think the members of the Converso family were also singing. <laughs> the angels might have been singing. The house didn't need to be fumigated after all. And, you know, I just felt so clean and so brand new, like a brand new person. So let's suppose for a minute that someone says to me, before I get in, he say, you know, do you have any doubts about this shower getting you clean? I say, no, no. He said, no doubts about the bar of soap, the bottle of shampoo, the towel, the washcloth, any of that? 
Well, no, I, I think it's up for the task. It's a big task, but I think it can do it. He said, well, what? don't bother. You believe. Don't bother. Just put on some clean clothes and go about your business. My response would be, seriously, seriously, is that good sense? That's not good sense, is it? Suppose he said, look, I'm going to take a little bit of water and sprinkle it on you, and you'll be good to go. You'll be smelling like a rose. Uh, no, no, that, that's not good sense either. Suppose he says, okay, I got a cup of water here, I'm going to pour this on you and you'll be good to go. I'd have to say, you're going to need a lot more water than that. Okay? Because a good sense will tell you that to get clean, you got to get in the water. Let's turn over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to wrap up our sermon tonight. And in Acts chapter 8, we can read about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip has gone up to, to meet this Ethiopian eunuch, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 30. And here we read, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading, that is the Ethiopian eunuch, reading Isaiah the prophet, which we've just read tonight. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That's from Isaiah 53. It's one of the most beautiful passages in all the Bible. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Why was he rejoicing? Because he was a child of God, because he obeyed the gospel, because he was baptized. Good sense will tell you, he didn't say the sinner's prayer, he wasn't sprinkled. He wasn't poured. But as with me, if you want to get clean, you got to get in the water. Tonight we make that invitation out to anyone who has not been washed and made clean by Jesus. Jesus loves you very, very much. And we do too. And if you want to get clean, you got to get in the water. We invite you to come forward now while we stand and sing.